The Start On On Demand. A Winnipeg City Councilor wants the speed limit reduced on a section of Wilkes Avenue from 80 down to 50. A Winnipeg woman is fuming mad with the city and their snow-clearing efforts after she got stuck at a bus stop in her motorized wheelchair. We'll ask a couple of questions about Manitoba. One, is Manitoba abolishing daylight saving time? And two, is Manitoba set to swallow up part of Minnesota? And a Winnipeg business, Browse by G, is set to appear on Dragon's Den. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. McNabb is back on Monday. And this is the Friday podcast for The Start. Winnipeg City Councilor wants to reduce the speed limit drastically on a busy stretch of road running through his ward. Charleswood Councilor Kevin Klein says the speed limit on Wilkes Avenue is too fast. Here's Global's Joe Scarpelli on how slow he wants you to go. Long waits and close calls. Just a typical afternoon on Wilkes Avenue in Charleswood, according to the area's councillor. Right now, people are, are telling me it's not safe. They're feeling unsafe. They're feeling it's a dangerous road. Charleswood councillor Kevin Klein believes the first step in making it safer is by reducing the speed limit from 80 kilometres an hour to 50. He says Wilkes, between Loudon Road and Liberty Street, is where he says traffic should be slowed down. He's asked City Hall to review the speed limit from Shaftesbury Boulevard all the way to the Perimeter Highway. I'm saying let's not wait until somebody gets killed before we do something. Let's take a look at it now. For this driver, a slower Wilkes Avenue can't come soon enough. It's insane trying to get on there some days. And rush hour traffic, I um, sort of gauge my activity going shopping and whatnot by time of day. But for others... It would just congest traffic a lot more here because this is, like I say, a major thoroughfare. Down the road, Klein says Wilkes could see even bigger changes. Maybe the study will come back and say 60 is a good speed. Maybe it'll, it'll force us to start thinking about putting in turning lanes that would eliminate that problem right away. Maybe it's twinning Wilkes. Joe Scarpelli, Global News. From 2013 to 2017, there have been 82 crashes at Wilkes and Elmhurst, 31 crashes at Loudoun, and 10 at Liberty Street. I don't use this stretch of road, but I certainly feel their pain. Just watching the video, you can see how people just have to wait and wait and wait to try to get out. And then when you do try to get out, it's a risk. Well, uh, this comes as a result of increased development in South Charleswood, more residential properties, more people using Wilkes to get to the new the new commercial development that's taken place at Sterling Lion Drive or Parkway and Keniston. So once again, for me, this is an example of the city of Winnipeg not keeping up with understanding how new developments, both residential and commercial, are going to affect the amount of traffic that's taking place. I can think of my own neighborhood on Gateway. They've got a co-op, they've got a Tim Hortons, they build a new MPI facility, claim center, off of Gateway, no turning lanes, just one lane in each direction, no accommodation for people needing to go around, people wanting needing to turn, and the speed limit remains 60 kilometers per hour. Like, just there's no advanced thought. Everything's reactive. There's no preactive construction when it, when it comes to these things. It frustrates me beyond words. 
Mackling, McGarry, McNabb back on Monday. Jeff Braun is here, Kelly Moore, Jeff Forte. And we're talking about, we, we just had a chat about this Reddit thread where people are sharing the dumbest things their teachers taught them. For example, uh, one of the, the things that we read was, she showed us the flag of the United Kingdom and said, this is the flag of America. Sometimes, you know, we don't expect our teachers to know everything, but when you learn something like that, it can be hard to forget. Text message at 204-780-6868. My sixth grade social studies teacher used to reassure and repeat to my class that Japanese women are the most beautiful in the world. Not kidding. You can text us your experiences at 204-780-6868. And and here's another one. The most ridiculous thing my grade three teacher taught me was humiliation. Oh, grade three. That that hurts. Yeah. That hurts. I think we were all there at some point, right? My grade three teacher called me Brick by accident. Oh, Brick. And then I cried. (laughs) Yeah. And then everyone laughed at me. One of the teachers in, uh, I think, Brendan's grade four teacher accidentally left the N off his name one day and that kind of stuck, called him Brenda by mistake. So that, you know, those little things, it's just a mistake and you you misspoke, but you can ruin a kid's life for a good chunk of his childhood with a mistake like that. Kelly Moore, uh, you've got one of those names where, you know, you, you probably weren't on the other side of that at, at oh, all? Oh yeah, there was there was a lot of names, and, and with a name Smelly like Kelly, Kelly. yeah, yeah. Well, yes. And if you change <laughs> if you change uh, two letters and, and exchange it for the M uh, for the Moore, uh, that was the one that I remembered uh, the most. <laughs> okay. If if you get my drift, I just want to go back. Like, hi everybody, this is Brick McGarry. That great radio yeah. name. That's a like good name. I, think, I think the teacher had was onto something. There. Can you do the weather for us? Yeah. Oh, is, what, isn't that the character in? Yeah, Steve Carell and. That's Pickerman. right. Why is everyone yelling? <laughs> it was a prophecy, and you didn't even realize it. I know. Look at that. Maybe my teacher was onto something all those years ago. Uh, Bloody but, Nostradamus. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, uh, you don't suffer fools. You must. Uh, is there anything no. from your past you can we recall? Uh, a couple of things, maybe. Just to your point, Greg, about the Brendan Brenda mistake. I had a teacher in college, actually, and the first thing he said on the first day was, "Just so you know, I, I mean to say hi to you every morning. Sometimes if I pass you in the hall, my head somewhere else. I don't say hi. Don't take it personally." He says, "I only bring it up because I've had students in the past who've gone like gotten to." Thought I was mad at them just because I forgot to say hi or whatever. And he oh just boy. he just made a point of saying, "Nice, just <laughs> don't freak out if uh, don't say hi to you every single time I see you in the hallway." So that was actually really nice. Uh, I had a teacher in middle school, and it, it wasn't dumb like some of these other examples on this website. But he was a guy, and I was grew up in the Bible Belt, and there's some people down there, and he he just flat out said, if you listen to rock and roll, you're going to hell. Oh, great. <laughs> and it was like 1986 or something like that. So you went out and listened to the, the Beastie Boys after yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. It was no. a dirty dancing scenario. Or, uh, no, what was the one? No, Fruit Loose. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Fruit Loose scenario. Well, there could be a correlation. A I think he did confiscate and... someone's dirty dancing soundtrack cassette. That no. what started it. Yeah. Is that a twisted sister pin <laughs> on your uniform? Poor <laughs> <laughs> can you think of anything? Uh, you know, I can't think of anything that my teachers taught me that was wrong, but uh, my grade 7 teacher, she was adamant that you spell a lot A space L-O-T. That's how it's spelled. It's not A-L-O-T. It's A, a space L-O-T. And so we used it against her advantage and wrote A-lot, A-L-O-T, all over the chalkboard. 
all over her notebooks, and she just went crazy and ran out of the classroom. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. We, you guys are mean. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we drove her crazy because we, we knew that was her. That was the thing that ticked her off the most. It was so. her pet peeve. Yes. Wow, that's interesting. Greg, can you think of anything? Sort of mean. Well, uh, Mr. McMahon, once upon a time, uh, I asked a lot of questions in school. This may not surprise any of you. And uh, we were coming up on a lunar eclipse, and I wanted to know, I'd heard about the lunar eclipse, probably on CJOB, and wanted to know why the moon turned red. He told me it did not turn red. And and to just to oh. just to basically to shut up, and <laughs> technically he's right. Yeah. Well, technically, well, tell no, Greg to shut up. To or shut about up, that? yes. no, that the moon doesn't actually change color. No, but just, it appears yeah. to change color, and that would have been an opportunity for him to send me to the library and come back with a report. Because I'm sure somewhere in the Encyclopedia Britannica, I could have found the answer to that question. Oh, yeah. Just like today when my kids ask me questions that I don't know the answer to. Just Google Shut it. up, Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know if I've been, I've been close to the edge on that one. But. I had a teacher, I think it was grade, I can't remember if it was, I think it was grade six in our sex ed class. And it wasn't something dumb that our, our, our teacher said, but it was something dumb that... One of the students asked, the question was, if you're, and I'll, I'll try to put this into into friendly terms, if your thing freezes, yeah. can, can you break it off? <laughs> and the teacher uh. did, he just, the look on his face was, I hate my life right now. That's one life. of those, that's something you should ask your parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of Brenda, uh, Brenda texted in to us, geez, this is turning into a little bit of uh, uh, the things that we lament our teachers for saying a, a grade four teacher used to make the boys sit with me when they were bad because I was fat and the boys used to cry. She was so mean. That's terrible. Wow. That's awful. That is awful. And uh, speaking of awful, I remember in grade one, the teacher didn't te- uh, do anything or dumb in class, but she was kind of mean to me in that uh, I asked repeatedly to go to the washroom and she wouldn't let me go. And eventually I swear. No. Yep. Oh, no. Why yep. wouldn't she let you go? Because she was just, just to be mean. Yep, just to be mean, and uh, then I paid for it, and that was Ouch. a horribly embarrassing experience. Uh, yeah, I ran into the situation where it was the I asked, "Can I go to the bathroom?" and she just said, "I don't know. Can you?" And I was just uh, like, "What?" And I just sat back down. Uh, and then ten minutes later, she's like, "You better go before you wet yourself." Yeah. And next time, ask, "May I go to the washroom?" Oh my god. <laughs> But we start this hour with the city's snow plowing efforts, and you've been hearing about it in Global News with Jeff Braun. Snow plowing efforts being called into question by a woman who got stuck waiting for a bus. She uses a motorized wheelchair, says her trip to catch a bus Wednesday night quickly became a nightmare. Global's Kevin Hirschfield has her story. Kate Grissom's night out at the movies with friends turned into a journey she soon won't forget. It sucks. It really sucks. Snow preventing her from boarding a bus at her usual stop in front of Grant Park Mall. That sent her to a stop at Grant and Wilton, where she got stuck for 10 minutes. I backed up. Then realized I was stuck. After being pushed out, she was forced to Stafford before finally being able to get on a bus. Grissom says the city is not doing a good enough job clearing the path to bus stops. Getting to the bus stop 
isn't clear, which you would think would just be common sense. The city says this service road on Grant leading to the stop is a priority three residential road and won't be cleared until a full residential plow is done. They say bus stops are cleared at the same time as major routes. Those bus stops were cleared originally. We just got snow a little bit after that, and then the mild temperatures today just made it soft. It was a little bit hard for that lady to get there. The city hopes all people who spot problem areas will call 311. But Grism says she shouldn't have to worry about making a phone call before a night out. It's causing disabled people to not feel comfortable going out. Kevin Hirschfield, Global News. Just hours after Global News called the city yesterday, a plow went and tried to clear up the spot where the woman got stuck, but the road appeared to remain an issue afterward. And it's it's funny that this is coming up now because it was just uh, recently where I made the remark, I'm not sure if you were here, Greg, but I commented on the air that it it seemed to me that the sidewalks were, were that the city was doing a pretty good job at clearing them. My dad said that the sidewalk... The, his sidewalk had been plowed three times already in the month of December, and that's never happened. Uh, so I, and I had seen more sidewalk plows out and about in the city. So to then hear this story and see this woman's plight, uh, you know, it makes me sad, right? Well, yeah, absolutely it does. And I, I, you know, you and I have had this discussion several times about this idea of how we deal with snow in our community and snow emergencies. Is It's not part of the vocabulary in this part of the world. When it snows out and you want people to stay off the roads, one of the best ways to do that is to encourage people to use the bus. Yeah. Right? Well, you're not going to have people use the bus on snow days if you don't clean those sidewalks first and people with mobility issues, we've got to keep this in mind. We spend about three to $4 million a year on clearing sidewalks every year, upwards of 30 to $40 million, depending on the year for road maintenance and road clearing. So, I mean, look at the numbers. This needs to be a better priority if you're going to have a more livable, more walkable city. Yeah. And uh, according to the uh, CNIB, the city, has been slow to remove snow from sidewalks this winter, and it is affecting disabled people. Tracy Garba, division rehab specialist with CNIB, has consulted with the city about their cleaning, and he says it's a matter of the city just taking too long on priority spots. You'll get Portage Avenue and your main routes done pretty quick, but the people on the side streets might not get taken care of for a while. Um, and for myself, I live on a Crescent, which is a priority three. It hasn't been done at all yet, so that, that caused me a little problem because there's no waved to define where I'm actually walking, and I'm walking on the road. Now, Garbert does say after a slow start, things have started to improve with sidewalk removal this year. Winnipeg City Councillor Matt Dillard in St. Boniface says he believes the city is doing a good job when it comes to clearing sidewalks, and but he does tell 680 CJOB there have been cases where the clearing does not happen when it's supposed to. Our snow clearing policy is essentially T1 street, so priority one street, priority one sidewalk gets done. They're supposed to be done essentially at the same time. And I've noticed personally that doesn't always occur. So I encourage anybody to be on the lookout for situations where that's not the case, because certainly we want to be following our city of Winnipeg snow clearing policy. Sometimes the roads get cleared after the sidewalk's been done. I've seen this downtown. And what ends up happening is the snowbank that's created ends up spilling onto the already plowed sidewalk. And so it appears as though the sidewalk's not been plowed. And then, well, you know, well, this is already done. I've already, I've already done it. I've already, it's already been completed. So if you don't call 311 and remind them, hey, I see 
plowed at once, but we've got an issue here. Uh, but it just comes down to priority. I reached out to the city yesterday to find out the last time they did a residential plow in Winnipeg because realize too, there are parts of Winnipeg where there are no sidewalks. Yep. In my neighborhood, we don't have a sidewalk. There hasn't been a residential plow done since last March. Really? Yeah. So we haven't really needed one, although I can't imagine being in my neighborhood trying to get anywhere in a wheelchair or any sort of walking aid uh, on the road. It would be impossible because it's all ice pack. So in a moment, we're going to talk about daylight saving time, but we just want to quickly read an email that we got to... CJOB feedback at cjob.com. On the subject, uh, we were talking about this woman who is mad at the city. She has a motorized wheelchair, tried to catch a bus on Grant, and she got stuck as she was heading out to see a movie. And had to, she started at one stop, had to go up to Wilton, had to go eventually to Stafford, where she was finally able to get on a bus. Gabby says... As for the sidewalks, people in wheelchairs still need to get to work, doctor, dentist appointments, and the sidewalks and snowbanks make things difficult and also dangerous. If you are disabled, wheelchair-bound, let me tell you, we have a lot of common sense, and we are probably more aware of all the cracked sidewalks and broken-up streets, etc., more than people walking who just walk around these obstacles. Just in reference to the common sense, we had a couple of text messages saying common sense needs to be used. If you're in a wheelchair and there's snow on the sidewalks, maybe you shouldn't be trying to get around. So she, Gabby goes on to say, getting over snowbanks, trying to go to work, I have fallen out of my wheelchair a few times. Loading Boy. zones and bus stops need to be cleared. The winters are long in Winnipeg and to stay home and indoors for four months or longer is just ridiculous. Gabby, thank you very much uh, for sharing that. We appreciate the feedback. And we actually got a text message just before you started reading this. On the contrary, I think the city has done very well in cleaning sidewalks. And usually I'm a very compassionate person, but agree with the comment as to why did her friends, the woman in question that we did the story on in Global News, uh, not ensure her safety. Independence is what we all want, but we can't always have it. So two sides... To this conversation, as always, uh, keep your comments coming. 204 780 Sorry, Brett. Oh, no. Oh, it's all quite all right. Question of the day brought to you by Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243 at cjob.com. Should the city prioritize sidewalk snow clearing more than they do? Log on and answer our question of the day. So we get a text message on Wednesday from one of our listeners who says, why isn't this in the news? And it's a link to the Legislative Assembly of Manitoba. The official Time Amendment Act, Daylight Saving Time Abolished. It's Bill 205. And they're wondering, if Manitoba's abolished Daylight Saving Time, why isn't this in the news? Well, Steve Lambert from the Canadian Press is here to clear the air on this. Steve, good morning to you. Good morning. So first of all, is Manitoba abolishing Daylight Saving Time? No. No, this, uh, this is a private member's bill. It's a bill put forward by an independent member of the legislature, Cliff Grayton, who was kicked out of the uh, Tory caucus uh, a few months back. Um, and like any of the 57 members of the legislature, uh, Mr. Grayton is free to put forward any idea in a bill to the legislature. This is one of about uh, 20 private member's bills from either independent members or members of the opposition um, that are before the legislature. And it's up to the government with the majority 
to decide whether to pass the law or not. And there is zero sign that the government is adopting that. In fact, some of the backbenchers have said that this would cause havoc for businesses. It's not something you would do without doing in conjunction with other jurisdictions, etc. Well, Steve, I know we've had, speaking of question of the day, we've had this question of the day in the past about whether or not Manitoba should follow suit and, and you know, join hand in hand with Saskatchewan, perish that thought, and abolish daylight saving time. I, for one, think it's ludicrous that we keep going through this exercise. But that aside, if there was any appetite for this from the government, it wouldn't be Cliff Graydon bringing it forward. It would be part of a throne speech or presented in a different fashion, correct? Yes, exactly. I mean, there are 57 members of the legislature. Uh, 38 of them are in the, are in the government, uh, the governing Tories. They're the majority government. The way our parliamentary process works is when you have a majority government, you get to decide what becomes law and what doesn't. So this is an idea from a backbencher, again, uh, or sorry, not a backbencher, an independent uh, member. And uh, again, any politician in the legislature can table a bill, can put forward an idea that's not the same as the government doing something. So, Steve, when you look, maybe part of the confusion is just the way that it's presented on this pay, this website. And if anybody listening, if you're listening right now and you want us to send you the link to this bill, you can either shoot us an email, brett at cjob.com, gmac at cjob.com, or you can text us, 204-780-6868. But it's presented in a way, like if you're just reading this for the first time with no context, it looks like this is something that is happening because it does, at the bottom, it says, this act comes into force on November 4th. 2019, and then there's an explanatory note that says this bill amends the Official Time Act to abolish daylight saving time as of November 4, 2019. So why is it presented this way on the website? Well, it's presented that way because it's a bill before the legislature that hasn't been voted on. So it's a bill currently before the legislature, and the page makes that fairly clear, that it's a bill currently before the legislature. It's not been voted on. Uh, and it hasn't uh, passed into law. And in, in fact, a bill has to go through many, many stages before becoming law. It has to be adopted at second reading. It has to go to public hearings. It would be in the news if this was anywhere close to becoming law. And again, the real deciding factor in our parliamentary system that we have here in Canada uh, is that if there's a majority government, they get to decide what becomes law and what doesn't. And uh, some idea from an opposition member or an independent member may or may not get adopted. Sometimes the government supports these uh, these bills from opposition or independent members. Uh, 19 times out of 20, they don't. Now, Steve, there was a, a lot of confusion about this. Uh, to my understanding, there was at least one media outlet reporting this as fact and, and that it had, in fact, come into being and, and that it would be a law starting this November and a, a lot of hullabaloo, for lack of a better term, on, on social media as well, which, which uh, you know, had you trying to set people straight, which is really the biggest reason why we in, invited you on today. Well, yeah, I mean, when, when, if you come across something on the web, it's important to sort of establish the context and, and see, see what's going on. And, and uh, for people who saw this on social media or who came across the web page, there's a page to all sorts of proposed ideas from opposition and independent members on the legislature website. Uh, if you come across something like that, it's important to take a moment and, and, and get the context, and if not, uh, ask somebody who understands uh, the parliamentary system and, and uh, 
and maybe, you know, get an understanding of how our, our parliamentary democracy works. All right. Steve Lambert, Canadian Press, thank you for clearing the air on this. Much appreciated. You're welcome. And again, if you're on that website, there is also a spot that says status of bills in this session. And then if you click on that, it'll bring you to a list of all the various bills that are there. And uh, like I'm having to scroll here to even find the time bill. It was Bill 205. So there it is, the official Time Amendment Act. And first reading, November 23rd, 2018. And then as you look, there's a column for second reading. There's a column for committee slash reported. There's a column for amended. And then another column. And then a third reading. And then royal assent. And then in effect. So this bill, as Steve pointed out, is nowhere near becoming reality. But I know that there are many who would like this to become reality. Count me as one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if we if we stay in standard time, that would mean... That we, would lo- that we would lose an hour of daylight in the summer, right? Because the daylight saving time pushes the, t- the clocks jump ahead. So it's darker, longer in the morning. But it would, because the sun would come up at like 4.30 in the morning if we stayed in standard time. Right. And it would get darker a little bit earlier in the summer. So Yeah, I'm not exactly sure which one I want it to be stuck at. Yeah. I won't comment on that. All I know is that it, it, this madness needs to end. Uh, like... Be, it was a real eye opener for me when I had kids because this throws the kids for a loop. Both changes do. It, it's it's crazy trying to put them to bed when they should be up and vice versa, depending on which time change. I know for me, I was typically late <laughs> in September and October for school until they switched the clocks and then I got an hour extra sleep. Uh, but then when they took that sleep away from me in, uh, and of course I'm exaggerating to make a point, yeah. uh, and then they took that hour away in the, in the spring, there's just, there's just no real good reason for it anymore. Just pick one that makes sense. And even Saskatchewan does it. That really grinds your gears. Doesn't well, it? once again, another example of things are doing better than us. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is back on Monday. And Greg, here's the headline at globalnews.ca, cjob.com. American petition seeks to give Manitoba awkward piece of land. Yeah, so from time zone designations to international boundaries, a petition in the United States is hoping to give Canada an awkward and inconvenient piece of land next to Manitoba. Created on a U.S. government website called We the People, the petition is titled Give Canada Back the Northwest Angle, located in Manitoba. The Northwest Angle juts into the province, sitting just south of Lake of the Woods. It's actually on the shores of the west side of Lake of the Woods and is separated from the rest of Minnesota. Here's CBS reporter Lee Cowan with a brief intro. The sound of distant deer hunters is about all you'll hear along this remote tree-lined corridor, a stretch of the longest land border between two countries. On one side, Canada. On the other, the U.S. But this lonely spot is also the gateway to an American geographic oddity, Minnesota's Northwest Angle. Most people up here are adventurous or crazy or or both. (laughs) On a map, it looks as if someone put a substantial part of Minnesota in Canada by mistake. In fact, it was a mistake made in 1783 during the Treaty of Paris. The border being drawn between the U.S. and then Britain was supposed to cut through Lake of the Woods at a northwest angle, hence the name. Problem was, the map the Founding Fathers used of Lake of the Woods was completely wrong. They were way off 
but that weird boundary bump stuck. Joining us to help understand a little bit more about how this piece of land became part of the United States in the first place, we're joined by Francis Carroll, Professor Emeritus at the University of Manitoba. Good morning, Professor Carroll. Good morning. How are you today? Just great. Good to talk with you. Well, we appreciate the time very much. This this has always fascinated me. I, I, the first time I encountered this personally was in Point Roberts, British Columbia, just south of oh, Towson, yeah. where anybody that goes to uh, school uh, that lives in Point Roberts has to go into Canada, then back into the United States, because Point Roberts, not big enough for a school. <laughs> At that time, I didn't realize we had that same similar situation right here connected to Manitoba. That's right. So how did this happen? Well, as uh, as the intro suggested, it, it grew out of the, the Treaty of uh, 1783, ending the American Revolution, uh, which presumed that the Mississippi River, which was to be the western boundary of the United States, rose somewhere west of Lake of the Woods. And, of course, we know it, it, uh, it rises south of, um, of Lake of the Woods, uh, and uh, <laughs> but the problem was that Lake of the Woods was mentioned in the treaty. Uh, and so to find a boundary, they had to get into Lake of the Woods in some way. And then, of course, the acquisition of the, of the Louisiana Territory complicated the situation even more because that moved the the American boundary beyond the Mississippi River. So it was the fact that they were more or less in Paris back in 1783, guessing as to where the headwaters of the Mississippi were? Is that basically the culprit? That's exactly right, yes. No, I was just wondering, so the petition then is calling for this piece of land to go to Manitoba. Why is it being petitioned to go to Manitoba and not Ontario? Well, that was my thought, too. <laughs> when you look at the map, uh, it's clearly in what subsequently uh, became Ontario. Uh, but uh, I, it, it's very interesting who, who's put this forward and, and what their background is in, in these matters. I have no idea. Well, I have a feeling that we're, we're going to, first of all, this this petition isn't going to go much further, but we've seen petitions in the past, uh, either jokingly or half serious or maybe entirely serious about the idea of Northwestern Ontario and parts of it joining Manitoba. A lot of people in Kenora say they feel a stronger connection to Manitoba or, or and Winnipeg versus uh, Toronto and, and Southern Manitoba or Southern Ontario, rather. Is this uh, anything that, that could get traction over time or? Or would that just just cause too much uh, issue uh, in the long run? Well, here again, that doesn't seem very probable. But I I appreciate that uh, that people in in Western Ontario do feel quite cut off from uh, from from the big urban centers in, in in Eastern Ontario, and do have much more in common with um, with Winnipeg and Manitoba. Uh, we're, we're obviously the metropolitan center. Uh, for uh, that whole Lake of the Woods region, anyway. So this is, in fact, the only, the, the, the North uh, West Angle, is the only piece of the United States north of the 49th parallel outside of Alaska. Is that correct? That is correct, So yes. it's kind of it's neat trivia, if nothing Maine else. Northern does not go that far north. Mm, that's kind of cool. So at least uh, that anomaly uh, uh, holds some interest. Uh, so this, this has... No chance of going ahead, does it, Professor Carroll? Uh, it in 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 the light of the difficulty 
of the United States to deal with more pressing issues, I can't imagine this one will get much attention. But do you think that there could be one day where this piece of land does become part of Canada? Well, it's a good question. Uh, countries are very reluctant to uh, uh, to abandon claim to territory for a whole variety of, of, of reasons. Uh, but it's certainly true that the uh, that little patch of, of about 150 miles um, is is not valuable or integral to uh, U.S. affairs. Uh, but it, it seems unlikely that uh, it would be abandoned even with uh, with those considerations. I mean, just looking at it, it's mostly water anyway. Yes, yes, and woods. It's it's quite beautiful. It's part of that wonderful um, Lake of the Woods um, uh, uh, environment uh, of rock and pine and and uh, uh, lots of water. Uh, but uh, it's enjoyed by a very small number of people, I'm afraid. I think it's about 111 Americans that live in that uh, part of their country, and uh, yeah, most of them pretty reluctant to to want to go anywhere. So we appreciate the time, Professor Carroll. Hopefully we can find an excuse to have you back on uh, another time. Thank you again. Well, it's my pleasure. Bye for now. Francis Carroll, Professor Emeritus at the University of Manitoba. Again, the headline, if you want to read more, you can find it on our 680CJOB Instagram story. American Petition Seeks to Give Manitoba an Awkward Piece of Land. It's Mackling McGarry. McNabb is back on Monday. Greg, what are we listening to right now? This is the theme song for the epically popular, long-running series on CBC called The Dragon's Den. And I know that they've been on the air for 12 years now. 12? Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Lots of entrepreneurs have uh, pitched their ideas, uh, some with better success than others. And we love to highlight things that are going on in Winnipeg, entrepreneurial spirit, and this fits the description to a T, Mr. McGarry. That's right. Uh, Winnipeg Business, Browse by G, are going to appear on an upcoming episode of Dragon's Den, February 7th at 7 p.m. And on this, the phone, we have with us Giovanna Manena. As well as Scott. And Scott, I'm sorry, I don't have your last name handy. I forgot to type that in. My apologies, sir. But hey, thank you guys for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Scott, first of all, what's your last name? It's Russell. Russell. Very good. Sorry about that. I knew I was forgetting (laughs) something today, so my apologies for that. So, Giovanna, let's start with you. Browse by G. What is Browse by G for those who are unfamiliar with your establishment? So, Browse by G is... Um, the one-stop shop for all things eyebrows and cosmetic tattooing. So we basically help to restore um, eyebrows for people who maybe have cancer or alopecia or who have lost them due to over-tweezing. And then we also offer services like brow waxing, brow tinting, and brow henna for people who just want to keep their brows manicured and looking fresh. Now, uh, the eyebrow is seems to have become more important over the year in terms of not only women's aesthetics and their looks, but also for men. Do you, do you work with men and do you have men clientele? 
Absolutely. We love our men clientele. It's um, more so in the last few years that men have really taken to the importance of the eyebrow because the eyebrow helps us to recognize expression. It helps us to look younger. Um, You know, definitely cleaning that up for men is just a little way to make themselves feel that much better. So are you you suggesting that my unibrow is a look that probably isn't working for me? I think you need to come see me. <laughs> that was that was pretty emphatic, straight to the point. I like that. <laughs> so, Scott, did you make the the trip to the to the Dragons Den along with G? I did. I did. Yeah, we did the prep together. Uh, actually, they got in touch with us. Uh, we had done a, a pitch competition through Futurepreneur, and they uh, they saw us on the Futurepreneur website and reached out to us. So they invited us out to to come and pitch. So G and I went and did that together. So, what was the experience like from your point of view? And then we'll we'll ask Giovanna. Uh, it was fabulous. I mean, it's it's nerve wracking. It's kind of it's very intimidating. Uh, we obviously we binge watched every episode of Dragons End beforehand and had notes on all the different dragons and uh, and kind of what they liked and didn't like. So we did our we did our, our background, uh, but it was a lot of fun. We and we got out to Toronto. We were actually there. We were there at six in the morning at the studio, and we didn't pitch until about two thirty in the afternoon. So it was a long day um, with lots of highs and lows, but it was it was tons of fun. How long were you in with the Dragons for? You're in there, most, most pitchers, unless, I mean, you cut it short or, or it goes, you know, really poorly, they're in there for about an hour. We were in there for about an hour and 25 minutes, and they cut that down to about six or seven minutes on TV. Have you already seen the segment that's going to air? No, no, we see it at the same time everyone does. We see it on the 7th. Okay. Wow. Giovanna, what was your experience like? How mm-hmm. nerve-wracking was it for you? Well, it's actually something that I've wanted to do since I was small like it's been on tv for like we're in the 13th season now and um it's been something i wanted to do for a really long time and i actually met arlene dickinson uh, back in 2013 because my career actually started in cosmetic artistry and we met at the uh, canadian screen awards so as soon as i walked in i was super nervous but seeing her and having her recognize me like that we had met before it kind of set me at ease that would be a unique level of comfort in a situation Mm -hmm. like that Absolutely. Yeah, it beats the heck out of the way O'Leary treated me when I was there. I had <laughs> I had two babies in the NICU. They were a week old, and oh, no. uh, we were trying to let the dragons know that we just were more interested in their consultation than their money. And uh, yeah. O'Leary stepped in front of me and just basically said, look, I don't need your sob story. Let's get down to business. And so we kind of knew what we were in for there. Was O'Leary there for you guys? I guess he's moved on now, has he not? Yeah, he's moved on. Well, okay. Well, you guys are are lucky then. So I'm really excited to see how this turns out for you. But this is far from uh, your only and your single solitary uh, bold step into the world and onto the world step, uh, world stage rather. You attended the G20 Entrepreneur Summit. Tell us about that. Well, I was a part of the group, but I was unable to attend in Germany, but the prep leading up to it and all of the entrepreneurs who were a part of it and hearing their stories and what they wanted to bring to the summit was so inspiring. Um, Being from from Winnipeg and wanting to be such a representative of the city, um, I thought it was really neat to bring certain ideas from our community here to the big stage. So they definitely brought a lot of the things that I had and ideas had with them to help represent me while, while out there. So Giovanna, I mean, you, you're looking at your website, you've got a huge mm-hmm. team at Browse by G. You have a couple of locations. Where are they, by the way? 
So I have one on Provence, 160 Provence, and we have one on Grant Avenue, 1682 Grant. And the website is browsedbyg.com, but you've got a big team, clearly a successful business. So what do you even need the Dragons for? Well, we have now started um, expanding into our product line. So um, we have brow pencils, which we are relaunching coming uh, this year. So everyone stay tuned for that. Um, So they're just products to help women fill in with makeup every single day so that they're not having to come see us constantly. (laughs) Sorry, Giovanna, didn't mean to step on you there. Scott, this this whole idea of of, of taking a concept from, you know, essentially uh, a street corner uh, enterprise and an indoor indoor, uh, enterprise at that, but but something that you find all over the city and turning it into something that's more than that. Uh, Talk about the challenge and and the excitement in doing that. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all for us. It's all about our, our business philosophy and our, and our vision. And when we started this business, I was actually working in the, in the corporate world. I was doing project development and, and management uh, internationally. And I saw G start this business and it started to grow. She started with one chair in our apartment and it started to grow beyond that. We went into a small location. She started to hire people and it started to take off. Uh, and her vision the entire time was she wants to build something sustainable. She wants to really help people. And that resonated, I think, with our clientele. And that's it's been a big driver of our success. So that got me excited. And, and when the timer was white, I, I, I jumped I jumped in both feet with her. And we've just we've kind of grabbed the bull by the horns and just tried to make this you know something beyond just a you know a one a one location business. We want this to be something that's recognized across Canada. So we'd actually we do training across Canada. Um, we have a product line coming out. We have locations that are growing. We have a growing team of amazing young artists and young people. So we've kind of just followed that vision of of where we want to be. And along the way, things, you know, it's been a lot of work, but things have kind of worked out the right way because of that. So I just wanted to ask you a couple more questions about exactly what you do. You sort of gave an overview, but the, the, I'm looking at you know, your website, who we are. Browse by G is a leading provider of eyebrow styling and microblading. What is microblading? Mm-hmm. So microblading, sorry, is a form of semi-permanent tattooing. So it differs from the regular tattooing because we only enter the first layer of skin. So it basically fades away in about two to three years where you can get it redone and you don't have to feel like it's so permanent. So that's uh, so that's for somebody uh, like my mom, for example, uh, visited a brow bar because she always lamented her <laughs> eyebrows. Uh, her they were not on the eyebrows were not on fleek, as uh, no. some young people might say. <laughs> so she uh, she went to to get them done, and she was so happy that she finally went to do it. Uh, uh, that's awesome. So is that then that that's is that the kind of reaction you get then from people who come in to see you for the first time? Yes, absolutely. It's just seeing themselves. And taking the time for themselves, which is really important because in this day and age, we don't take the time for ourselves anymore. So it's that 30 minutes, you're doing something for yourself. And at the end of the day, you're walking out feeling on top of the world and feeling that much more confident about yourself. So before we let you go here, maybe from both of you, Giovanna first, this whole idea of taking something that you started Mm -hmm. with one chair, how do you have a vision and go, I can make a difference not only within a large geographical area like the city of Winnipeg, but bring this to even a more a larger geographical area right across the country or maybe even internationally. Mm-hmm. How do you create that vision? At what point did you go, I need to, I, I see this vision of it, of it being something so much bigger? 
for me, I've always wanted to grow things and watch them grow. So every time I start something, there's like 10 other things that like spawn from that idea. (laughs) So I'm constantly like a visionary. I'm constantly that person who wants to create and grow and build and include community and include people with what I'm doing. So that was kind of the step towards me doing anything. And to be honest with you, I'm so grateful I have Scott in my life because he kind of manages me and helps pull me in the right directions because I could be going a thousand different ways at once at one time. Scott, it's sort of, uh, (laughs) forgive the phrasing here, a little bit audacious to think that you could take this and make it so gigantic. How how do you find the fortitude and the will to to say, yeah, we're on the right path here? I don't know. It it may just be mindset, but uh, it really, you know, for me, it comes down to, you know, when we started to see G's clients and see the reactions and see how happy they were and see that she was really making a difference for them and they were loving what we were doing. It was just kind of the, the, the logical next step is if we're doing the right things for our clients and this can be huge. And, you know, I come from a background of growing business as well. And I get really excited by, you know, by, by building a business, by growing a team, by going to different places, by, you know, looking at international markets. So for us, it was just, it was a natural fit. And G and I kind of go together really well in our our skill set. She knows the industry. She obviously knows has the domain expertise. I kind of bring a flavor of you know the, the business side of things and growing business elsewhere. So we we complement each other really well, and we we both have a vision for for growth. You know, we're, we we get really we get really bored being stagnant. So it's always about new things and about growing a business and and kind of getting excited waking up every morning. I'm excited for you. This is this is fantastic, and really look forward to seeing the February 7th edition of Dragon's Den. Congratulations, and uh, we'll, we'll reserve uh, judgment on, on what actually went down because we, we know that you can't tell us. Uh, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll wait with bated breath for the 7th of February. <laughs> yeah, Thank you so in. much. All right, Giovanna Manena and Scott Russell from Browse by G. Once again, they'll be on Dragon's Den, February 7th on CBC. Their locations, 160 Provence Boulevard and 1682 Grant Avenue. The website, Browse by G. And, of course, you can follow them as well on social media. Congratulations, and this is awesome. My girlfriend goes to Browse by G. She loves them. Uh, My mom, as I mentioned, went to a brow bar. She loved the work that she got done. Uh, So, yeah, this is a a really cool thing. And I know that I have forest tent caterpillars for eyebrows, so I probably should maybe visit Browse by G and get that situation dealt with. Are we Ernie and Bert in in more than one way? <laughs> I definitely have Bert's eyebrows. Uh, also, the fact that my eyebrows make I already look grumpy. My massive bushy eyebrows make me look grumpier. So I should probably get that fixed. Resting Brett face. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.